Did you I did you notice that the set code is Matt? I was just Which, thinking that it was a uh, March yeah. of the Machine. So you had Mom and Matt. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like this is the stepdad of the sets, right? Because like, this is mom. This is my mom, and this is Matt. <laughs> this is my mom's friend, Matt. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and joining me today uh, to help me sculpt a winning mindset, CEDH. See, we're working on we're working on it. Uh, are my lovely co-hosts uh, all the way out from san francisco it's your boy it's phoenix how you doing phoenix doing great wish the uh wish the warriors won last night but that's oh yes trust me i'm gonna give you shit about that here in a moment uh also joining us uh all the way up from montreal where they don't have a baseball team and they don't have a basketball team is uh your our, our good the frenchman himself pongo how are you doing pongo feel attacked i mean Especially the the no baseball team thing that that you used like, to you used to have yeah. the metros the metros were great the expos uh, yeah or ex- expos yeah. excuse me yeah yeah, yeah. Um, rip 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 the rip expos indeed. yeah um, one of the better baseball logos I'll have to say uh, one of the better baseball logos uh, but what like you have like a soccer team in Montreal yeah, right basically and is there like, any major sports there other than that. Uh, I'm not the person to ask, <laughs> but uh, no, not that I can think of, but you know, somebody in the comments, feel, feel free to let me know other than, you know, the, the Canadians obviously, but like that's a religion and less than a sport. Oh, I forgot the Canadians. Yeah. Montreal Canadians. Uh, but uh, more importantly, uh, we're filming this on Saturday, uh, May 13th. After uh, last night was Friday, May 12th, which uh, for me was a day I'm going to celebrate uh, for a while because uh, that was the day that my beloved. I don't know that I would say the Lakers are my beloved. I would say LeBron is my beloved, but uh, my I I am a Cavs fan and a LeBron fan. So by proxy, I'm a Lakers fan. Um, (laughs) So. my Lakers beat Jeremy's Warriors last night and one of the most brutal game, like just blew them out in like the way the Warriors usually blow people out, like one one twenty two to one oh one. The Lakers are now the uh, winners of the California State Championship. And by that, I mean the Western Conference playoffs. They They, they still have to go through Denver, though. They still have to be. They still have the Western Conference Finals, which start. Well, yeah, but they won the um, California State. They did win the California, California Finals because there were like what four teams from California yeah. that five yes. teams, four or five uh, that made it to the playoffs this year. Um, 
Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors, and both LA teams. And, uh, you know, the Clippers aren't very good, but not, that's not their fault. Uh, but yes, the, the, the Lakers will be tomorrow night taking on the Denver Nuggets. And I'm very excited to watch uh, Jokic play no defense and watch AD play all the defense. And did you see how many uh, rebounds AD had in that game last night, Jeremy? And he had like nine in the first quarter and I had already turned my brain off because I knew how that game was starting so to go. Anthony Davis, here was his stat line. At the end of the game, 40 minutes played, which is nuts. That's nearly the entire game. He was five for nine from uh, five for nine shooting, seven to 10 from the free throw line, three offensive rebounds, 17 defensive rebounds, totaling 20 rebounds, uh, three assists, two steals, two blocks, a plus minus of 31 with 17 points. Like that's, that's good day. And, uh, Everybody going into this game was talking about how LeBron was old and you can't expect a 30 point game out of him. And he played all 43 minutes. And guess what he had last night? A 30 point game. 30 points. Yeah. Literally, the worst thing you can do in sports is is to taunt LeBron. That is the worst thing you could ever possibly do. And people continue to do it. And I don't understand it because it never works out for them. But anyway, uh, I, I it, regular listeners of the show will know that uh, this time of year, I love the NBA playoffs. I love uh, watching basketball this time of year specifically. And uh, I know there's hockey pongo, but uh, we're a baseball fam or basketball family. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not the not that there's anything wrong with baseball or hockey. There's right. so many that's things wrong with baseball, but anyway, let's not get into it. Yeah. <laughs> do we need to do the baseball rant episode? Yeah. Stairs. We're now a steroids. sports podcast. The Mind Sculptors uh, sports podcast. I love it. Um, so this uh, set that we are reviewing is a 50 card set, which is this is. Do we want to get the rant out of the way about why? March of the Machine, the Aftermath is a weird product in general because it's just like 50 extra cards that feel like, like, I don't, the set feels weird. Um, like, it, it feels who, like they didn't want to commit to just the whole second set, but like, probably yeah. they should have just made a whole second set. Like, the, and I think that this is like a big enough event in the story that they probably could have done like the three sets. Yeah. Um, instead of must not have wanted it to like keep going for a long while and like feel that we actually had a conclusion. Yeah. Except but. that I feel like the upcoming sets are still going to have like, I mean, one would expect that there's still going to be the repercussions. Of I mean, the they war. already talked about how when we were at the panel in Minneapolis and they were talking about the wilds of El Drain, they were talking about you're going like that whole story is like kind of centered around the like effects of what is going on in Eldraine after the El like uh, Phyrexian invasion. And the entire conflict is like started because of that. Right. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. Listen, so, like, I, I, 
yeah, theoretically, like we didn't need this set and like we could have just kind of skipped directly into like the aftermath through visiting different planes. But I yeah. guess, you know, this 50 card set kind of gives us a little I mean, sneak peek at like all these different set, uh, planes at once. But yeah, that was one thing I will say. I do think it's kind of neat. I, I do think this could have just been like a core set almost. Yeah, I, I um, agree. It's that. weird that it came out very quickly after the uh, after Marshall Machine. Like less than yeah. a month. Yeah, um, an interesting thought. It feels like a DLC almost. Like it just feels like the true ending almost. You know, you know how like uh, a lot of like video games, it's like have their true endings locked behind DLC. This feels like that to me, where it's just like, you know, here's we here's had 50 even more, more cards, story but, and we didn't finish the story in the actual set, so here's. The rest of the it's, story. it's like wizards yep. shipped an incomplete game and then needed to patch it after the fact like, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it's like oh yeah here's uh so those didn't get into the packs here's 50 more cards um but uh so because of that there's not a ton of stuff to talk about uh but we did find seven cards that are pretty interesting um not maybe the most interesting cards you've ever heard of, but uh, I think we've got five commanders here or five legendary creatures, at least uh, that are pretty uh, interesting and have some potential. And then we've got a couple spells here as well. Um, and so let's go ahead and start off with in the sorcery section, reckless handling, which is a colorless and a red sorcery. That reads, search your library for an artifact card, reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle, then discard a card at random. If an artifact card was discarded this way, reckless handling deals two damage to each opponent. Um, first of all, in the story, this is, I, I don't know who, if you're not aware or not, but the art is um, depicting Nahiri uh, accidentally shattering the hedron that contained her spark. Um, so that is a thing that's interesting. I'm very interested in, from a story perspective, to see if Nahiri goes down the Obnixilis path of trying to like fuck somebody up and steal their spark, uh, because she very much feels like somebody who, um, would want her spark back, even though she is committed to being Zendikar's guardian. Uh, from planeswalkers but anyway pongo we've got a bona fide two mana search your library for a, a bona fide two mana tutor in red what do, what do we think about this card um yeah i mean I, i'm pretty cool with the power level of this card just generally speaking printing new tutors is obviously always kind of a risky thing for wizards to be doing um yeah like and, and they've kind of shied away from printing like tutors that are too too powerful uh, right. in, in sort of recent times so i think this really hits a pretty reasonable power level it's kind of like a fixed gamble um i think that it gives red a tool that it wanted importantly um the ability to tutor for an artifact feels very red uh we've had a few examples of that in the past you know like with goblin engineer for example um kind of setting precedent for that um and you know it does it in a very red way where you know you you're kind of like gambling again <laughs> on on the result, um, so it's a good tool for low color red decks to have. Um, there are some red decks you know where you could see yourself 
wanting to combo with an artifact, for example, something like a Cloudstone Curio, um, where that might be an important enough part of your strategy that you would want enough, an additional piece of functional density uh, or re- uh, redundancy. Um, and it's at a reasonable mana cost. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to play it in like higher color decks with access to uh, right. more and better tutors, but for low color decks, slam dunk. Like, really glad to have this card. An interesting line of text on this that I just kind of processed was it's not if you discard the card that you tutored for. Right. If you just discard an artifact card, it deals two damage. So like Phoenix, we were talking about this a little bit uh, pre-show um, is this is almost sort of a like a, it's almost like a gamble with like a little bit, like not quite a gamble because you can't get anything, uh, but no. it's kind of got a little bit of upside attached to it. If you squint, you could kill somebody with this and breach. It takes a lot of cards, but <laughs> technically that's a thing. And if that's you were relevant. doing some kind of, you know, like Twister or Endurance-based loop, then yeah, that's certainly an option. Team and that being on your, your tutor also being a win con is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think that this card roughly, uh, my thoughts is that this is maybe the best tutor we've gotten since like Search for Glory uh, that I can think of. And I think it's about in the same realm. of Yeah, maybe with the exception of uh, Battle Freak Warrior. Um, oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But basically, you know, it's that's green. Just getting. I mean, invasion years, of right? Icoria. Uh, invasion How of Icoria. Yeah. <laughs> the battle, known as invasion <laughs> of Icoria. The siege. Um, but yeah, I think I would expect to see it about as much as I see Search for Glory, which I see every once in a while. Like this feels really good in Goto, right? Like really oh, good yeah. in like basically every mono red deck. I get, well, like I can't think of a single mono red deck that doesn't want this card. Is it is it good in Goto? I mean, I think there's probably a discussion to be had there just because Goto is the tutor, right? Um, I know Goto has kind of started playing um, the Clouds and Curio lines now. So maybe, well, I think it depends on what but, you're. I, I don't know that you're gambling for your helm with or your rec, no, your tutoring for your helm or to. your words are hard. Um, I don't know that you're tutoring for your Helm of the host with right. this. Um, but what else do you want, right? Like, other than maybe Klaus Mercurio. Or, yeah, yeah, Cursed Mirror. Like, theoretically, it's for your backup lines, right? Which I don't know right. if, like, the deck ends up being optimal if you're playing cards like this uh, that only really slot into your backup line. But, you know, conceivably in, like, Magda, con- well, actually, I mean, Magda kind of has the same problem where <laughs> Magda is the tutor. Right. Um, but, like, Perhaps there's utility artifacts there that that might uh, help put this over the edge. Um, but then so, I mean, there are red decks where you don't have uh, a tutor in the command zone that, that probably are more excited. I mean, it could do a lot of things like like you had said, Phoenix, like it can get the cursed mirror. You can get it to get uh, like either a defense grid or conqueror's flail. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, like, like I'm just looking at the Goto deck list and I'm like, there's a lot like. I, I think a really good example actually is you could like use it to go get a panharmonicon, which that's does true. set up a win. So like that there's, is there's one of utility. the things that yeah. yeah, like there's enough utility that I'm like looking at this card and I'm like, I just kind of feel like it's like I, I get what you're saying, but I do think it's like good enough that you maybe take out Wheel of Misfortune for this, right? Like I, I think it's a just good enough to be playable. Um and in, in Goto. Now, 
I, I think in other, like, I think this is a slam dunk in Bergy. I think it's a slam dunk in Magda. Like, hell, it's probably a slam dunk in, like, even is it decks? Like, searches for top. Uh, yeah, like, it, it just, it does so much. I feel like Joyra, obviously, this is a slam dunk. Joyra, like, yeah, I can see this, that. This feels like a really good card. I'm, I, I was very, I didn't really look at this set too in depth until we were making the list for the set. And there were a couple of cards that like stood out to me where I was like, oh, damn, that's like actually kind of good. Um, and this was this was one of them. And yeah, it has its niche for sure. Yeah. I don't know if, again, I, I'm as optimistic about it in necessarily every red deck, but in a lot of red decks for sure. Yeah, I mean, most red decks end up being artifact centric. So it's like, yeah, no, no, you're 100% right about that. Uh, next card on our list is the instant on our list, which is Filter Out, which is a colorless blue blue that says return all non-creature, non-land permanents to their owner's hands. So, Phoenix, this is a pseudo board wipe at instant speed for three mana. Maybe. I mean, like, maybe it's a Hercules recall. I mean, it's the it's kind of hard to evaluate, which is where it's going to be tough to make any hard line on this card because it's going to be very dependent on the game and the deck you're playing. It reminds me a lot of a lot of the ways that people use like Chain of Vapor and thinking, uh, the like X spell that returns X permanence. It's like mm-hmm. Repeal. Is that is that right? Repeal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of like Repeal and sometimes that's played. I don't see it played a lot and so that's where I'm kind of on the fence I, on this card where It's better than Repeal. It, yeah, yeah, it's definitely better than that. I think, I mean, I don't know about you, Pongo, but I think like in a storm, I, I, I think about storm decks in particular, and especially maybe this is your like sideboard tech or whatever. Um, if you expect to go into like a rule of law heavy f- uh, format in your storm deck, like this answers every single rule of law at the table. It also answers every single like stacks piece that well, isn't like a creature. Yeah, that's um, the issue. Like, <laughs> this, well, this it, isn't it just, dressed down. Is what right. The way I well, it. it answers a lot of issues that storm decks can have, and so like I do think this is a. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I do think this is a card that's like the 101 or 102 card where it's like. If you think you're going into a particular meta, this is going to be a really good card and, you know, rule of law heavy formats where uh, this just deals with a lot of stuff all at once. It reminds me a lot of uh, Chain of Vapor in those Stormish style decks where mm-hmm. it's your go-to default answer. This is maybe answer number three or four, but it reminds me a lot of the ways that those decks like to use Chain of Vapor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know, there's an argument to be made that it might be the strongest card in the set. Um, and I, I think probably a pretty decent argument for that. Um, that being said, I'm not sure that it will see like widespread play in like the sort of four plus color pile type deck. Oh, yeah. Um, I think one of the thing cards that comes to mind when I look at it is Rebuild, which is a card that people used to play yeah. uh, some time ago, which is uh, three mana two and a blue um that cycles yeah it's an instant and you return all artifact to owner's hands um mm-hmm. so this is a little bit stronger from the perspective of you know it, it hits uh enchantments as well and so like it does have applications beyond just removing like null rod um you know obviously you can remove the rule of laws as well 
I think, you know, the biggest sort of downside of the card is that it misses the creature-based stacks. And creature-based stacks are such a huge part of the metagame um, where it feels hard to look at this as being your kind of like catch-all, like like pseudo, like cyclonic rift type card, you know, that like right. really just bails you out. Um, you know, that being said, it does reset all of your mana rocks so that you can replay them. You know, it resets people's Ristic studies uh, so that like you can rebuild through the Ristic study uh, or you can try to like go off through the Ristic study. You can bounce a bunch of, you know, non-creature based stacks, uh, you know, EOT and then untap, uh, with, you know, right. play a bunch of rocks, you know, but th- there's like a, like give and take like on sort of like multiple axes here, right? Because if you lose like your Mox Diamond, maybe you don't have a land to pitch to it. You lose your Chrome Mox. Maybe you don't have another um you know uh spell to pitch to the chrome mox uh you know if you pick up two mana mana rocks then like those are rarely going to be mana positive so you really want to be picking up your mana crypt your soul ring and your mana vault uh those are kind of like the ones that you really want to pick up um you know certainly the power level is there uh it's just that it's kind of awkward in a variety of different places and along a variety of different dimensions where it's, I think, not a slam dunk anywhere that I can kind of think of off the yeah. top of my head, perhaps with the exception of like in the uh, Joyra. Um, you know, <laughs> there, 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 this <laughs> but, set yeah. in the last set had a lot of like, hey, if you're playing Joyra, this is a pretty good card right. uh, <laughs> type of stuff. Right. So, but, but I think that, you know, theoretically, it's still the strongest card in the set uh, just because mm-hmm. that effect is so powerful. Uh, like the, the ceiling of that effect is so powerful. Yeah, um, seems great, Nerza too. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a place where you could see it. Um, certainly, I mean, because you can float a bunch of mana, pick up a bunch of rocks, and replay them pretty easily, and kind of set everybody back in terms of mana. Um, and then the, the issue there again is that um, theoretically, no, I guess it's not so much of an issue. I was going to say, you know, it resets some of your stack pieces, like your static orb and stuff like that. But you just replay them. Like that's the thing with Urza yeah. is you always have such a massive advantage mana advantage if if you're in good shape, right? If you're not uh if you're not losing, you're you're usually so massively ahead that something like this can be really backbreaking if people were uh, relying on their yeah, mana rocks. Making people replay stuff in like a three ball or yeah, well, static orb seems brutal. Or if you just have the winter orb out and like, you know, people were untapping a bunch of rocks to play through that, yeah, this could devastate them. Yeah, that that that's kind of where I was thinking is it just feels like a good answer to maybe not every stack stack, but it definitely feels like it's a good answer to a big variety of stack stacks. Um, it's yeah, is, it, it's just interesting because it's kind of a bit of this and a bit of that, right? Like, right. Uh, at different times, like sometimes it can be almost like a calling ritual, uh, not as powerful as calling ritual, but like it can kind of do a bit of that kind of impersonation. Well, I mean, Calling Ritual times, has that same issue, though, right? Like, Calling Ritual is as good as however many things it can destroy are. Calling, um, Calling Ritual is just a nonsensical magic card. Like, it's also it eats creatures. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, it, yeah, it's but, just but a like messed my, up card. That's yeah, but this point, is not though, exactly like, it's, that. It's con- but it's right. it's got elements of that, and then it's got elements right. of you know other type of effects that we've seen. So it's it's interesting. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting card. It'll be interesting. It definitely will see play in Urza. It will definitely see play in Joyra and uh, 
Mm, not sure outside of that. Uh, Mizix might be interested in that. Maybe uh, there's some there's some stuff. But anyhow, uh, moving on to we have five legendary creatures that we are going to be talking about. And the first one of those five is Nissa Resurgent Animist. That is correct. Nissa has lost her spark for a little bit. Um, it is implied in the story that she might get it back. So that's like the whole them losing their sparks thing. It's like really funny for me because to, to read the story and to also kind of see some, how some of the characters react to it because Nissa, this is the first time losing her spark, right? She's never lost it before, but characters like Ob, Karn and Teferi are just like, yeah, it's, this is a Tuesday. Uh, we, <laughs> It's multiversal war. We lost our sparks. Anyways. All right. Well, first time. Damn. <laughs> it really is like the first time meme. Like it's just, yep. uh, they're, they're just kind of sitting here like, man, eh, whatever. And Omnixilis was like, I was kind of comfortable in new competitive anyway. Um, so, uh, but we have Nissa resurgent animist, which has a land is a three, three for two colorless in a green. Um, her creature types are Elf Scout and has the landfall ability of whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, add one mana of any color. Then, if this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an Elf or Elemental card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So... Uh, Pongo, this is kind of like a fixed Omnath or a powered up Lotus Cobra, depending on which way you want to look at it. Like it has elements, obviously, like it obviously has very direct uh, comparison to Lotus Cobra. But I right. also do think it has like a little bit of that Omnath ability to it because it does have that. If this is the second time this is triggered, then it does a this and another thing. So it's like, it has a little bit of that going on too. So uh, this card is something that's interesting because we've talked about it as a commander. We've talked about it in the 99. What are your thoughts on this card? Um, yeah. I mean, certainly very interesting card. Uh, we were talking about this a bit before the show um, where this is not like a, an immediate slam dunk into, you know, like your average CDH deck, but there's right. like a lot of like interesting nuance here um, where like, you know, at first blush, uh, as I was saying, you you might pass this card off, but then you read into it a little bit more and you're kind of like, wow, okay, actually, you know, maybe maybe this actually fits into a few more places than I previously thought. Um, so the Lotus Cobra um, comparison is obviously a good one. Um, and there are certain commanders historically that have cared a lot about Lotus Cobra. Um, you know, notable ones that come to mind would be um, something like a Hullin. Um, mm -hmm. where, you know, like putting a land into play, getting a mana, uh, and then theoretically putting that land back into your hand, having it bounce back to your hand by some effect where, you know, you can use the floating mana to then play a creature and put the land back into play, blah, 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 you know, kind of get up to doing some weird shenanigans that through those kinds of loops, uh, you know, it was kind of always a thing, um, or, or just otherwise, you know, making a lot of mana. Um, and this has the sort of secondary benefit of, you know, you crack a fetch land and now you've also drawn a card, um, 
as an elf or an elemental. And so obviously like down the line that can turn into even more value with Hullen. So like there's kind of like some value ball potential there. Um, another deck that has kind of cared about Lotus Cobra type effects would be like the Kodama Sakashima style decks um, where like some of your loops um, where, uh, you know, if you have both Kodama and, and Sakashima copying Kodama, if you play a bounce land, um, you can stack the triggers so that you bounce the land back to your hand and then replay the land. And then, you know, you kind of just keep replaying the same land um, and you can make infinite mana if you've got a uh, Lotus Cobra in play. Um, this does the same thing uh, and then right. theoretically also puts, you know, an elf or an elemental into your hand, um, which, you know, depending on what else you're playing, you know, could either just be a mana dork. But if you're playing, you know, some more powerful elementals could also be like an outlet of sorts. Um, uh, and theoretically, you know, there, there's, you know, one particular elemental that uh, immediately springs to mind that is really it's interesting called to think about. Not the one I was thinking of, but that's another one. Uh, there, there's a Shia, which is a really, really important piece in a lot of green decks and is an elemental. Um, and obviously, you know, fitting with it being Nissa here. Um, and so being able to theoretically tutor up a Shia um, in certain decks, you know, where maybe you're not playing any other elves or Quirion Ranger, if that's like your other elf. Yeah. And that's obviously goes hand in hand with the Shia um, can be really, really powerful as well. Uh, so, you know, getting the Lotus Cobra effect, but then also theoretically being able to tutor up a combo piece is really cool. Um, you know, again, this is not going to fit into, I think, every green deck like your Yassans and stuff like that. I could be wrong about that, um, but I'm not convinced necessarily, um, especially if they weren't playing Lotus Cobra before or Tireless Tracker, like those types of effect, Tireless Provisioner. Um, but there's like enough interesting text here where I could see it having a home. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, oh, that's really annoying. What? Yeah, uh, I'm just so I'm I'm reading this card, and I'm like, I'm I'm thinking about it because I talked about the Omnath comparison a little bit, and I'm like, oh, this is cracked as fuck in four color money pile. Uh, because all of yes. your because uh, both solitude and endurance are elementals. elementals. Omnath is an elemental, and then. Uh, what is it? Uh, Nissa is an elemental. Holy shit! What's the over under? Yeah, this this gets like, banned in modern. In mo- this like, card has a lot of relevant text on it. Yeah, it, it's, many formats. It's really like a, a very kind of more nuanced card than like I was saying. You would think it just looking at it initially. Um, and I, well, I, I hadn't even considered the pitch those... elementals, but it's true. Like you could play this. You know, maybe as a three drop, it's it's too much to be playing in modern, so that you can then do the into the cute thing um but i could be wrong about that and obviously, uh, obviously mean, in pioneer like you could play it, it right it, it curves really well into play because you're already kind of just going land drop and like control stuff in money pile and so it like curves fairly well into uh play nissa land or play if like polluted delta crack get a you know, Triome or some shit. Yeah, and so this is, a, this is a four hand. drop, right? Because you want to no, play it's a, a it's, it's a four a drop, drop in the sense that you want to play a land oh, like, immediately oh, sure. after. So like when you're um, curving out with it. Sure, sure. Ideally um, you play a But land. even on turn four, even if you play it turn three pass, get to turn four, you are it still like puts that card into your hand really, really well. 
So it just like it curves really well. I feel like the problem um, is it's a three. If you play it as a three drop, um, you run the risk of not getting any value off of it, right? And it, yeah. it, it is in the range where it dies to bolt. So that's kind it of also means I'm you can't play from. Kahira as your companion. But yeah, for, for obviously non CDH formats where like you're you're thinking about curving out with it and you're just looking at you know like sort of like grindier style of magic where like your cards kind of need to generate immediate value um this feels like this might not be okay in pioneer well that's that's um, exactly like when um, you when you brought up modern my mind immediately went to pioneer actually or when you brought up the pitch elementals and and, and just yeah. kind of the omnath style of synergies yeah. so yeah no i i hadn't thought about that even before you brought that up but now i'm yeah i'm, about I'm it. just looking at like five color mid-range in um it's mana, it it's in, mana fixing, Pioneer, right? Like, it, it mana fixes yeah. that deck. It yeah. just is like, oh, that feels like that's going to cause problems in Pioneer. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting card in any case. Um, I mean, like and, Fable of the Mirror Breaker is already like causing problems in every format. So I'm going to talk about how it's it's oh, kind it's of interesting. It's almost like it's a green kind of does the Magda thing. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of does the Magda thing as a commander. I the general consensus uh, I've heard from people that have tried to make it work so far is that it's not good enough. Um, but you can play you can play the only elves and elementals in your deck are a Shia, Quirian Ranger, and then something that draws cards. So like uh, Beast, that's so awkward Beast with Whisper. a three mana commander though to not play the mana yeah, dorks. Then, like, but you still play get no the- mana dorks. <laughs> I don't know that it means you don't get to play any mana dorks because like uh, you still get birds. You still get a couple, uh, you still get uh you get the new one from Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, the half that's uh, true. That, that comes out. The the good one. The that best is a good one. Um but like consider that in mono still, green you're not getting the hierarchs, you're not getting any of the off color dorks, like and, and yeah. It, it yeah, when you think about mono green actually your mana dorks. Yeah. Um you actually get fewer than you would think. But yeah, it it is a deck that if you see someone sit down with it at the table, it will do the Magna thing, tutor for a Anashaya, and then only play creatures and then win the game. Yeah. So it's something I, to watch out for. But I'm I don't think it's amazing. Thinking that mono green might be a little underplayed right now, uh, because my experience of playing it recently has been uh oh, this does a lot of stuff. That is very good. Um, so well, if, if you watch Team Turn 3, uh, don't be surprised if I just show up with Yisan. Um I, I think Mono Green, though, kind of... Um, it's it's interesting because I don't think it's necessarily good in the like broader CEDH meta, but it might be mm-hmm. good particularly on in like the Team Turn 3 meta because we play mm-hmm. a lot more of mid-range style decks. Like... Yeah. Like... Turbo style decks are like a bit of its blind spot because like what tools do you end up having to deal with those? You pretty much like maybe Root Maze if you're playing it and then like Collector Roof. Um, Mm -hmm. And and if you're playing like a few of the other really niche like kind of interactive pieces, then like maybe. But like you're really kind of hoping to like leverage other people playing stacks or like other people playing mid-range so that you can also have like a bit of time to really, uh, you know, deploy your, your pieces. Right. So, so I, I don't think you're wrong in the sense that if you look at like what people play, like Reed and and Morgan, mm-hmm. like maybe a mono green deck could actually perform well in that setting. But I don't know that I would want to play it into like a tournament setting. I don't know. I've been I've been enjoying playing uh, mono green a lot recently, and uh, playing the 
almost CEDH version of Titania. I'm like, I think I just want to build Eson. So um, I might put Eson together because I've been enjoying playing mono green a lot. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to It's Time for Your Favorite Game Show. Is this a Najila card? This week's contestant is one Samut Vizier of Noctamoon. It is a 2-3 human warrior cleric that costs a colorless red and a green. And it has First Strike, Vigilance, and Haste, which is nuts. Um, And also has the ability, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, if that creature entered the battlefield this turn, draw a card. So, the two Najila experts, I ask you, is this a Najila card? Phoenix, what are your thoughts? We talked about this a little bit while we were in Minneapolis. What do you what do you think about this card? Yes, probably. <laughs> it's <laughs> put it very simply. Um, yeah. I I roughly my initial evaluation of it is it's on par with something like Rite of Harmony, which I played for a while and then eventually ended up cutting just because it was just barely not there. And if it's in that range, it's worth testing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to hold off my this is good enough or not good enough until I've actually played it, but it draws a card off of itself and comes in. It's got a very nice stat line. It's got a bunch of keywords. Um, it works without Najila being out, at least somewhat. It nah, draws a card. It draws a card, yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, it's like Toski, but better, right? Like, uh, Not better, different. It's not strictly better than Toski, but I think in practice it will often be better than Toski. That, that, that's kind of my thought, yeah. is because yeah. like it does, it's a little bit more in line with what Nijila wants to do. Yeah, so I'm perhaps less optimistic than Phoenix, but I am pretty excited about this card, and I do plan on testing it. Um, you know, so for me, you know, if Phoenix was like kind of an enthusiastic, yes, I'm I'm kind of more of like a maybe. Um, I do like the card a lot. Uh, Phoenix highlighted like a lot of the strengths in the sense that like you, you know, the, it's it's like a book. Uh, like it's got three keywords, and all of those <laughs> keywords are relevant for Najila. Um, haste in particular is always something Najila loves to see. But uh, on, a, on a warrior, is vigilance is sick <laughs> on, on a two three um, because it, it hits that sweet spot of like it has enough toughness to block Timna. Uh, and enough power to kill and Timna. has first strike and it has first strike so like if something is like a three two swings in at you uh you can block it pretty safely 
Um, you know, yeah. Grim Hireling comes to mind, but I don't know, you know, or somebody else's, somebody Najeela. else's Najila theoretically. Yeah. Um, yeah. so th- obviously the really interesting bit is not that this is, you know, uh, a cleric <laughs> or that it has, uh, keywords. Hey, concerted. Yeah. Defense. Concerted defense maybe makes a comeback. Um, <laughs> obviously this is a cleric because uh, I think it was maybe the last hurrah of like trying to support the party mechanic. Um, but like, um, the the interesting bit here is you know how powerful of a value engine is this for Najula? um and i think phoenix you're 100% right uh to bring up right of harmony that's like maybe one of the more obvious comparisons um there's a few other comparisons that i can get into but we can talk about that one um right of harmony obviously is like more efficient uh two mana instant speed blah 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 um but sort of has like the notable downside i think of being slower than than samit um in the sense that like in some situations right of harmony played on turn three is just a draw one for two mana um -hmm. because that's like the first turn you swing with najila or even like on turn two if you had a turn one najila it's just a draw one maybe you draw mana dork after or like a you know like a mystic remora and then it's like a draw two and you know like there have been situations where i've really snowballed like with the right of harmony effect active but it's a bit inconsistent in that respect so it never kind of really made the cut ultimately but this is really interesting because it's warrior it comes down after najila so when it comes down after najila it immediately draws three for three mana and that's actually a pretty good rate um the three mana draw three that like then converts into potentially drawing additional cards um Mm -hmm. uh, across like the subsequent turns um I, i think the fact that it's a permanent effect that sticks around is what in my mind, puts it above right, right of, of harmony. Well, right of because harmony I think can like be right replayed, of harmony, right? So, well, sure, but like I think the fact that it's a it's a uh, spell, not a permanent, right, um, is why I like Samit more and think that it is more pl- like it is closer to playable than right of harmony. I, I think the big reason is um, the same reason why, like any warrior. You know, and like why the first additional warrior you play in Najila is really powerful. Because when you play mm-hmm. that first additional warrior, every single one takes a turn off of Najila's combat clock. Um, right. Yep. The first one. At from beyond that point, it's you know less negligible <laughs> um, in terms of you know the amount of turns it takes to win to complete combat, uh, or I should say to take down the table. Um, so curving out with Samet is going to be so much more powerful than curving out with Rite of Harmony. Um, however, the floor of Samet is pretty low. Um, and that's historically been the issue with a lot of kind of the Najila centric value engines, um, uh, which is, you know, if Najila, it can't be played because of a Dranath magistrate, or if she gets removed, um, then, you know, this essentially cantrips and is, you know, some keywords that you don't particularly care about without Najila out other than as like a potential Timna blocker. Um, so that's notably a downside and right of harmony, you know, obviously isn't great in that spot either, but can be a bit better um, in certain situations where, you know, if you have happened to, you know, play out a mana door, you know, you draw another card, you play, uh, you know, like a Ristic study or something like that. You've now drawn two cards, um, you know, in, in practice, probably that doesn't happen a ton of tons. So I would think that, Samet probably is is just going to generally be better than Rite of Harmony on average. Um, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I, 
I would play this before I would play Toski personally. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I just think this is I, if you're I, you're you're going to be curling I mean, in my out, opinion, right? Najila right. often like turn two, let's say if you had acceleration turn one, and then Toski after, and Toski in that situation will draw only you know two cards, um, and then stick around, uh, hopefully. Um, but this will draw three cards in that spot, and it also accelerates you know your token production. Uh, it makes it so that it's relatively trivial to actually combo off with Najila right. on the subsequent turn, like kind of regardless of like what blockers somebody might have. You just kind of slam down, uh, you know, a, a Derevi after you have six attackers. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. have a ton of attackers. Um, you know, an, another sort of small incidental thing that people don't really think about, but that it, you know can be relevant is is first strike is a really really sort of secretly powerful keyword with Najila because like. Um, just uh, you could just stop at secretly powerful keyword and you would be well um, but with Najila in particular because um you know if you look at like the nature's will or grim hireling type win cons it, it's first strike gives you an, an extra opponent basically is is kind mm -hmm. of what it boils down to because you have first strike damage you get a grim hireling trigger and then in regular combat damage um you can get an additional grim hireling trigger from the same opponent that you're attacking right um, and, and that can be super relevant because that means that like, oh, okay, now I only need like two opponents that are open um, and, and I can combo that way. So like there's a lot here to like, you know, what really remains to be seen is whether or not like any Najila centric win can, or value engine is, is really worth playing. Um, you know, if you look at something like professional facebreaker, professional facebreaker, why did like make the cut in the past? Well, it's because, um, you know, you don't need Najil out for it to do its thing. You have a couple of attackers, you have it, you can still make treasures with it. So even if Najil gets removed, well, it's still, you know, a card that other decks in the format play, even without the warrior right. synergy. Um, and, you know, you can, you can sacrifice the treasures to it, to XL cards, to draw cards. Um, I think that the ceiling of Samet is so much higher um, in Najila, but the floor is a lot lower. So, you know, remains to be seen where uh, the sort of average case is for this card. You know, a lot of people are right. already talking about like, oh, I drew three cards off of it after I curved out with it. Um, and, you know, I've goldfished also drawing three cards, you know, this coming down the turn after Najila. And that feels great. But like, you know, the amount of times where it's been like, oh, okay, um, there's a Dranath Magistrate out. My Samet is in hand. Like, it's going to draw me a card and then do nothing. Uh, for a little while kind of you know <laughs> yeah it's it's easy to try to you know kind of sweep those under the rug and be like well whatever you know there was a dranath magistrate out that game was messed up but dranath magistrate is such an omnipresent force in in the meta that like you know it's it's been um you know, one of the major challenges for decks like najila uh, you know trying to do commander centric things uh, you know, for the past year plus, right? As as more and more people just say, like, okay, well, I have to play Dranath Magistrate, even if I, it's like right. not proactive whatsoever, because people like to call it like a mole con, right? Like a mole win con. You kind of mole to it at, to win, because there are certain pods where you literally play it on turn one or two, and like you just win that pod. So it's yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I think one thing we haven't talked about is as a commander. I think there's an interesting green-red deck here. I would have a hard time justifying it over the new Minsk and Boo. Yeah. That yeah, I just think Minsk and Boo very is just... Dumb things. Having that sack outlet in the command zone, I think, is just so good. 
It's an um, infinite mana outlet in the command zone too. So yeah, like I just I think that's hard to. Stuff. In, like I mean, at, at minimum, I like that there are more, like, good red green commanders available now. You know what I mean? Like, because for a really long time, it was just like, okay, so you have Borborygmos. What else do you have? We have Borborygmos, uh, right. and now it feels like there's a more of a wider variety of things that you can be doing in uh, Gruul. And I, I definitely appreciate that. It's not my particular flavor of magic, but I, I personally think that Samu has like a lot of. I, I think it is a as, as people are trying to because of you know as I watch the people who are on these like NBC versions of Najila slowly kind of drift back towards the tempo pile. I think that this card fits in that shell really well uh, because it kind of does a lot of that like mid rangey game plan that you want to be doing as well as like kind of like being almost a peer depending on where you're at in the game. Uh, so like, I, I, I just think it's, I think it's floor on its own of being here is a card. You draw a card is good enough to already be like, at minimum playable, but I think its ceiling is just so fucking high that you can't not like, I just think it's an auto include in my opinion, but so it's a cool one to have in the toolbox. Yeah. There's there, yeah. there are certain pods where people are just like, Oh yeah. Najila, whatever. It's fine. Like we're on a clock, but like, I'm going to try to race Najila and you know, to be able to expend a creature tutor and be like, okay, I can spend this creature tutor to find like a draw seven. They, but like not a symmetrical one <laughs> is pretty yeah. sick. I mean, yeah. like, and it's it, it's it like is, a, it has killed all thoughts I've ever had of including Edric again. Yeah, yeah, would be where I'm at with a, it. So. That's fair. It's so good. I'm very, very, very into this card. Maybe I'll maybe I'll play Njila again. No, I I can't. I, I can't put Team Turn Three through that again. We can't do have. We can't go back to Let's having multiple Njila decks on stream at the same time. It's just. It's not tenable. Did somebody uh, give you a talking to? It's yeah. <laughs> uh, next commander on our list is Narset Enlightened Exile. Uh, Narset it costs one and Jeskai, human monk that is a three four that says creatures you control have prowess, which is a very um. I like that they worded it this way because it's kind of going back to that old school wording of instead of saying this has prowess and other creatures you control has prowess. It just says creatures you control have prowess. Um, I really like that it went back to that templating because I think that's a little bit cleaner. Um, but it also has the ability of whenever Narset attacks exile target non-creature non-land card with mana value less than Narset's power from a graveyard and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So, uh, Pongo, this card as a commander is like an interesting Jeskai deck, in my opinion. Like, it, it has some interesting things going on for it. It's kind of the, the prowess aspect of it is what makes it like really interesting. Because like you're able to like exile some like 
heinous shit from that, right? Like <laughs> you can get it's pretty, any graveyard. Yeah, and it's any graveyard. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. just like it 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 no no it checks a lot of boxes. For sure, for sure. There's like um it I think this is gonna be surprising to a lot of people because I think like not going to appear that good on the surface to many mm-hmm. and like you know maybe somebody rolls up with this to a pod and an event uh and you're just like oh yeah whatever i don't respect that deck whatever it's yeah, i'm gonna ignore it for the most part it's chess guy and it's like a commander that um you know he's does nothing when it enters the battlefield and then you know it needs to attack um but you know like and that's that's all true right <laughs> like as sort of the base case of this card you know you look at it and it's not great but but then there will be situations where it's like oh okay like they bounced my blocker. Um, they counter your Nas, and then and they then just they cast just your yeah, that's it. They just yeah. cast your Nas, um, or or you know they just like you had a failed breach attempt, and like they play your underworld breach, and like they managed to cobble something together where you demonic oh, you by demonic the way, they tutor play your breach. Well, yeah, um, exactly. You demonic tutored like, at some point early in the game, and like now they're gonna play your demonic tutor. Um, you know th- there are issues there, right? Like obviously you're you do need to have enough prowess, like. So you need to play two spells to cast something like a Nas, right? It's not uh, sorry, hard, you, need, you need to play though, three. You need to play three spells. It's not that hard, but by the time Narset comes down, you might have spent like all of your mana rocks in hand. You might not have, you know, a, a ton of ton to trigger prowess with. I mean, we'll see. Um, and the other issue is that if there's something like truly heinous in a graveyard, you know, people can block it. Um, and it doesn't have any evasion, right? It's like, an attack trigger. It doesn't matter. I do, I do have to know. Oh, it's that it's an attack the way trigger, it's all, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the way that the, it is worded it matter. as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. A it doesn't trigger. actually work with the extra combat spells very well, or at least most of them, because it casts right away. Um, so most of the extra combat spells don't work when you're in the declare attackers. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Most of them have to be like during a main phase and then it will create another combat oh okay. there's there's at least like two or three there's a two or three that will work sure. but, but it's but it's okay because you know you're, you can play extra turn spells if you really wanted to instead you know it's it's not quite the original narset in that respect but like i don't know that you want to play turn spells though because it exiles them and i think this is like a attack and you win type of deck in my opinion like yeah yeah it, it, that's what it reads to me at it, least so it, it doesn't have like the same um obviously like you're milling your deck effect as Narset. Mm-hmm. So you're like finding more cards and you want to keep going. Um so that you can keep finding more cards, cast all those cards, eventually find enter the infinite and do like God knows whatever. Um so so you're right that it <laughs> it's like a little bit different and 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 so probably you are hoping to cast somebody's really big impactful spell to kind of shore up the slightly uh, less good card quality in Jeskai. Um, but, you know, I mean, Jeskai's card quality is is still quite good. Um, it's just you're missing, like, the tutors. But, you know, it just so happens that, like, people at some point, you know, will probably play their Demonic Tutor or their Vampiric Tutor uh, earlier right. on or their Imperial Seal. So, like, you'll, you'll have options uh, to set up, you know, something. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to be as strong as some of the more, like, um, combo-centric um or combo piece type Jeskai commanders that will probably be a little bit more consistent. But I think it's gonna catch people off guard. Um at, at times. Yeah, I think both of the lines of text make me immediately think that like this is a very solid, like controlling deck 
with a finisher in the command zone, whatever that finisher ends up being. But yeah, I mean, it plays very much along the lines of like how I've said, like Jeskai wants to play, which is the you play control and then just when you find your window, you win. And this definitely plays on that axis very well. Um, But it also feels like a deck where you can also build it potentially so that it's in it. You literally just attack with it once and win the game. Um, So it it, it does have that potential to it. I don't know that that's the best way to build it. uh, I think it's 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 going to be tough to do that consistently, right? Well, that's what I'm saying is it's like, I don't know that that is the way I would build it. And I don't know that that is the best way to build it, but it definitely feels like it. It's a deck that basically why I'm saying that is it's going to be a deck that when you see, if you sit down at a tournament and you see it, you need to respect it because it very easily can just swing and win. Um, it can, so it can like turn the you, corner pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, it it, it is going to be able to go over the top really quick um especially if there's anything even mildly relevant in a graveyard like honestly it if there is a breach in a graveyard it that might be enough to to put it over the top um because like then what do i have to go do find intuition oh well great i'm in just guy perfect colors to do that so it's like i i i think this deck has a lot of potential uh I don't, as a person, like I play a lot of Jeskai. I feel like I've, of the three of us, I play Jeskai probably the most. Um, and I think that, like, of all the Jeskai commanders, I still think it's Jes- not Jeska. It's, it's not Jeska Ishai, but it's similar I think it's a, style. I think it's a little bit better than Elsha. Not gonna lie, I, I, I do because I, I think the biggest problem that Elsha runs into is that. Elsha's win con in the way you kind of want to play Elsha kind of it's the way Elsha wants you to play. And then the way the Jeskai card pool is designed, butt heads against each other because like Jeskai is the card pool. I've talked about this a lot before, but Jeskai is a very natural control shell. And so like Elsha kind of encourages you to be a storm deck and Jeskai doesn't do storm particularly, particularly well. Um, It doesn't do it poorly, but like adding white to that, like your color pool kind of makes you a little bit more controlly. So like, I, I just think that this turns the corner a lot easier than Elsha does. Because Elsha runs that issue of like, oh, if there's a Graft Digger's Cage, fuck. If there's a this, fuck. Like, this gets around Soulless Jailer. This gets around like literally all of those hate pieces. It's yes, it does. Because Soulless Jailer. you make a copy and ca- you exile it. Oh, wait, and uh, you are yeah. making a copy of the exiled card. And you cast the copy. Yeah, right. you're casting a copy of it. It gets around all of that stuff, so it doesn't care. So you can Sick. play Cage, you can play Soulless Jailer, you can play all of that shit and just get around it because you don't care about it. Like, this does sort... Like, it's almost like Grease Fang in that way, where, like, Grease Fang could play 
all the graveyard hate and then just not care about it because it doesn't animate creatures. So it's like you can you have a little bit of a a little bit of that going on here. So like I, that's I I do think though that there's another argument which is that it could still be weaker than other Jeskai options like Brawl and Shabraz. Um because like those obviously like have like one card win conditions with the commander. Um mm-hmm. and, and you did mention a bunch of stacks obviously that Narset works through reasonably well, but what it doesn't work through well is Dranith Magistrate. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the the most common stack. Why does it not work through Dranath? You, you can't, can't cast, cast spells from yeah, anywhere Dranath by your hand. Dranath just only cares if it's cast from hand. You're making a copy. But you can't cast the copy. It's the same you reason why Dramatic Reversal, Icecrown Scepter doesn't work with a Dranath Magistrate yeah. out. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, yes, but like, here here's the reality of it. If I'm going to start listing off the amount of commanders that could shut off because of Dranath. We're going to be here all damn day. Like every deck in this format in some way, shape or form is turned off by Dranath being on the battlefield. Well, like it. it yes and no. Right. Like, because there are some commanders that get shut off on both sides of Dranath magistrate. Sure. Um, And then there are others where it's like, okay, if I can get in under the Dranath magistrate, I can still do my thing. This gets shut down on both sides of Dranath Magistrate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Prosper. I mean, that's fair. Right? Prosper has kind of the same problem yeah. in that respect. You just have to, like, you kind I, of have to remove Dranath when you're playing. Right. I, I do think that you are in colors that can play around it or deal with that reasonably well. So, like, I, I think that is because you're like in the best removal colors um, outside of maybe like, black green so like jeskai can deal with a lot of things reasonably well uh like between bounce spells and path to exile and winds of abandoned and swords to plowshares and i i don't know i i think this this has a lot of potential and i'm very high on it and i think it's probably uh i i don't know that people that a lot of people are going to rush to build it because i don't know that a lot of people are rushing to build jeskai right now uh, because Grixis is the flavor of like that everybody's on right now, uh, but I do think that if you are playing Jeskai colors, this is probably if you don't want to be playing Jeska Ishai, this is worth exploring because I think this definitely or more specifically, if you are part of the crew who likes the Arden Crom, the Staxier version of Jeska Ishai, those types of decks. This is probably a little bit better than those because of its ability to turn the corner. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool that this is like secretly kind of like a four color commander, right? Mm-hmm. Just because of how often there will be like powerful black cards from in people's graveyards, yeah. right? That you get yeah. to play. Um, another really interesting theoretical way you could build this deck would be as kind of like the you know the wheel thief style of deck. Um, yeah. Obviously, you don't get to play Notion Thief and Hole Breacher is banned now, so that kind of hurts. Um, and Twister isn't great. Twister's with not this. great. However, you could play, you know, Narset um, and Alms Collector, and and then you could be playing things like Goblin Lore, which then, like, um, you know, theoretically puts you know powerful cards from people's hands into graveyards. You know, it's it's something to explore, perhaps, as a way to build this yeah. deck. Not too bad. Not too bad. I just, just yeah. narrow face it right there. Right? <laughs> just, the, pro- the problem just is the burning density. inquiry twice on the same turn into a table and 
watch them. Yeah. Die. So so theoretically, the problem. I mean, is just guy already has like like Brolin Shabraz already does that stuff, right? Like, so this can do it in a way where it can weaponize it similarly, um, sure. but maybe maybe not as a one to one comparison, but it weaponizes it. This it like you can use similar like um, play patterns to get like the different desired results, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think so. You probably need to be doing that type of stuff more disruptively with this deck, yeah. uh, and then eventually have Narset come down to try to take advantage of the disruption. Whereas with Brawl and Shabraz, I think you get to do that stuff proactively, which is mm-hmm. uh, a big benefit. So, anyway, it's interesting. I, don't know. To think about I, I like control decks, and this is a fun control commander. So, um, this is another look out for this on team turn three, uh, because this is definitely uh, this in uh, Zergo and Ojatai are like two commanders that I was just like, man, this was just like designed in a lab to appeal to exactly me. Like <laughs> they were like, what does Cal like um, is what I think specifically they did. Um, but uh, anyhow. Next card on the list, this is a card that I got to play against in Minneapolis a little bit because Reed had this deck built, and this is a really annoying deck to play against. Um, This is Obnixilis uh, Captive Kingpin, or as Reed likes to call it, Pinkerton Ob. Uh, (laughs) It is two colorless, a black and a red. Uh, 4-3 Demon with Flying and Trample, which is the the Trample part is actually very relevant and really annoying. Uh, It also has the ability of whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a plus one plus one counter on Omnixilis. Exile the top card of your library until your next end step. You may play that card. Hey, Phoenix. Yeah. so you play Prosper, right? Yeah. Um, this feels like oh, a card no. that is pretty comparable. Uh, what What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think Prosper is amazing in the 99 of this deck. I don't know how I feel about this in the 99 of Prosper. It's a little bit tough to deal one damage in Prosper. It does, uh, so we were talking about this in the pre-show, but it does have a four-card combo in Prosper. So it would be Prosper, this... A Mayhem Devil and then Sensei's Divine. So, like every combo in Prosper. So, like every combo in Prosper. <laughs> three cards. Mayhem yeah, Devil Mayhem Devil. Sensei's yeah, combos with Mayhem Devil and Pro- Sensei's top. Insert. And we're already playing those yeah. cards, but <laughs> this on its own is a little bit rough when you're not built around it. It doesn't trigger very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prosper does get to trigger it once every time you attack with the Death Toucher, but it's not amazing. On a four drop. Uh, but as a commander, this is way more interesting. Uh, it, 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 it's a bananas commander. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, it's a very good commander. You get to play a lot of cards that make the game absolutely miserable because if your commander's not out, you're just tracking one damage at a time. Nether Void uh, in this deck is quite possibly the most annoying magic card. Um, you create a lot of triggers. Imagine if every card you ever played was Rhystic Study, and they don't actually do anything until your commander's out. Which but is a downside. I, the commander's awesome. It gets great. The commander gets huge, which is great. Um, even if you're not casting the cards from exile, you are mm-hmm. just your commander is getting even bigger. You punish fetch lands. Yep. You have I mean, lots it, of ways to trigger this a lot of there's times like and draw a lot randomly of cards. a lot of things that just deal one damage to you, like your mana yeah. confluences, your city of brasses, 
Like, oh, trust me. We when we were at Minneapolis, we were playing against this, and I'm sitting there playing Tivit, and I'm just like, I'm literally getting politicked into not using my mana confluence yeah. at this point, or cracking my fetch, or activating because, your talisman of dominance. Yeah, exactly. Because we're just mana. like. We're sitting here and I'm like, okay, I kind of need to do this thing, but I also don't want to feed read a card. And it's just like it 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 is it is very comparable to Ristic Study in that regard, because like there is a lot of that. It's like a Ristic Study that also has like a clock attached to it almost. Because Do we want to talk about the ad nauseum interaction? I fucking uh, if somebody's playing the Gila and like you attack one of the opponents, the the, the non all yeah. player Rip you. that was pretty bad. State your straw uh, also, card for uh, each warrior. Every one drop you hit on ad nauseum is an individual trigger. Uh, so for an opponent's ad is this an Agila card? Is yeah. this an Agila yeah. card? <laughs> <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, it's basically like Posky. It's yeah. kind of. <laughs> it's not that dissimilar, uh, and it also gets big. Like maybe I, I'm not even joke. I'm like only a little bit joking. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, it's like the wheels are starting to spin a little bit. Like as, yeah, as it's it like we this actually might not be the combo. worst. Um, yeah. <laughs> We didn't even talk about the fact that this card has a one card combo either. We haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a viable deck. Like, I think this does yeah. what people want Rograk um, Tevish to be. Like, you know, there's all these people that play that, like, Rog Tevish stack deck. And I played against it and I'm like, eh, it's whatever. It's kind of annoying because, like, it's in, like, black red and it does some weird stuff, but ultimately. It's a little bit of turbo. It's a little bit of stacks and it doesn't feel like it does either one particularly well. Uh, this is really good at doing all of the above. And obviously it's not a turbo deck, uh, but like playing against it, it is one of those things where, again, like all of that incidental damage that you just kind of do where you're like, oh, well, this is just, you know, life as a resource, whatever. Um, you're kind of, actively killing yourself quite literally because you have a flying trample commander sitting across the table from you that you are making bigger and that is going to come smack you in the face and it's just like well what do i do about this and so i i, I do think this is going to go into tournaments and be disruptive like this is i i think this has a lot of potential uh, in tournament settings. It, it is. Uh, so like, for example, I think the way I put it, I, I think technically prosper is a stronger deck, but I think this deck is much more well positioned. Um, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of great justifications you could make to play prosper in a tournament compared to just anything with more colors, but you can very easily make a justification to play this deck. Yeah. Well, having the one card win condition really helps a lot. I think. Um, so what is this one card win condition? Tell us about it. It's like it. sort of one card. It's it's actually like kind of like one and a half well, cards, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's all will be one, the enchantment that mm -hmm. combos with everything now, apparently. Uh, and then a single damage of any kind, a single life loss of any kind. Uh, and it's of, all in standard one, too, which is hilarious. Life. It has to be. Of specifically yeah. one. Yeah. It has to be an ob trigger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then. And so once you do that, yeah. you put on one, one counters. And then you exile a card, then you put on a 1-1 one, one counter, then it repeat. Yeah. It deals the one damage from that point on. Hello, so. I would like to introduce you to what is known as a loop. Yep. Um, <laughs> that is... And then, yeah. because it's exiling cards, you don't care if you have however many cards left in deck. Right. It just fills the table. 
Yeah, because like, you can't mill out and and lose unless I don't know, theoretically somebody can resolve a force you to draw effect. <laughs> Seems <yeah>. hard. <laughs> like until we get ancestral recall unbanned. <laughs> hey, listen, people are telling me fairy mastermind's a good card because it can make people draw, and I just like okay. Whatever you said, chief, because it draws a ton of cards. Yes. So this yeah, good deck. Yeah, this is a good deck. I good card. That. I believe in this. Uh might be a Dingila card, actually. Um <laughs> because it 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 might not be. It it's a being four mana is a little bit much, but like it also just might be good. It's awkward that it exiles cards from the top of your library, which is where it's like, eh. Yeah. But the fact that it like does we didn't talk about that it is good it is good cfe so generally most cards that have cfe which is cast from exile printed on them end up with either good cfe or bad cfe bad cfe is it's only the turn that you exile them you can play right. them the good cfe is you get two turns to play them and this is the good version well this is yeah. like a combination of the good and well, bad, right? Because on your turn, the it's way that this triggers, in the turn yeah, cycle. exactly. The way the way that this triggers, it's the same wording as Prosper, so uh, it's not great if you trigger it on your own turn, right? And and you know, we're talking the context of Nagila, where like a lot of the time you're going to be triggering it in combat. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> that's less good than Toski. Uh, anyway, I mean, like, we're we need to I, stop I, memeing because right. it, you know theoretically people will think that it's actually a consideration. No, but listen, if the deep the if the uh, NBC players start playing this, maybe they'll figure out how to play Najila correctly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like people like like Memo are doing oh. just fine. Memo, you're the exception. Oh, yeah. I love you, Memo. You're you're good. But Memo, Memo, I think has like a pretty mid range list anyhow. But that's neither here nor there. Um, anywho, last card on our list is maybe a little bit less exciting on first glance than the last two. Uh, definitely uh, has some potential, though. It's Sigarda, Font of Blessings. A two-colorless, a white and a green angel. That is a 4-4 with flying and says other permanents you control have hexproof. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast angel spells and human spells from the top of your library. So we talked about this a little bit pre-show, Pongo, is that this card uh, has a lot of weird utility uh, because it's just like kind of does a lot of stuff you kind of want to be doing anyhow. And your permanence having hexproof is kind of good. Yeah, it's like Shalai, but like, like horizontal, like... Not like strictly better July, but like horizontal yeah. July, in the sense that like it's it's got slightly different upsides, um, right? But like, I don't know. I really quite like the upsides here. Um, yeah. So the two that notably come to mind, you know, beyond like it has an extra point of power, um, <laughs> uh, other permanence instead of creatures, planeswalkers, and you, which means that uh, the hexproof extends to your enchantments and. You know, if you happen to be playing like a null rod, for example, like artifact based stacks, um, then, you know, this extends to that, which is really powerful, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, even if most of your stacks pieces are creatures. Um, but then also, you know, you get to 
have like this very limited future sight type effect. Um, and like the angel typing is is restrictive, right? There's like one card that will commonly sure. matter, which is just like Drana and Linvala, or like Linvala if you're in in green white specifically, or in like I don't know green green white red. Um, mm-hmm. But humans is like a really common creature type. It's all yeah, it's for, like, for stacks. absurdly like so. Turns out <laughs> so theoretically, you know. Rather than spending six mana to put like a bunch of plus one plus ones counters on your creatures, which don't get me wrong, that is really quite often very quite good. good. Effect. Um, yeah. the Gavany Township type effect, specifically in like these like win con lists or or I should say combo lists, um, stacks decks that are often trying to play rule of law and will have frequently like a lot of extra mana, even playing their one spell per turn. Um, you know, being able to spend it with on plus one plus one counters is cool, uh, but you know by comparison so is like a future site type effect that does actually hit a reasonable amount of cards in your deck so um is it better than shalai i don't know uh i i think that there's perhaps an argument Maybe. that it could be so i think i think it's cool it, <laughs> it at least uh is playable by quite a few like there's this precedent for this to like, be played there, there's a yeah. lot of very good reasons yeah, to play there's, this. there's good precedent I, for this. I was trying to think through about. this while while you're talking through that. I can't think of any green white commanders that really have card advantage. Well, it's in Tim commands other than like Sithis. Well, specifically oh, green white alone. Yeah. Yeah, like other than like Sithis where you're forced into enchantress, I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head that's like great. Um mm-hmm. well, hold on. There's the um what should I call it? Uh There's the human that uh, that narrowed it down. Yeah, no, um, there's the the Ken Bauman special. Um, I don't. But, yeah, Dalsim, but Ken. I say that as I have also. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dalsim, yeah. but I I know that I, Ken is kind yeah, of the, moved on. that type of deck leads to a way different green white deck than what exists, which is a cool space to be in. Yeah, yeah. at least for sure. a commander. Yeah, like I think this does the um, like stacks thing really well. Um, and I, I think it's also hilarious. So I'm just looking at green white. So if you play this as your commander, here are a list of some stuff that's played in Yasharn, Esper for instance. Sentinel. Uh, Avacyn's Pilgrim, Esper Sentinel, Sarah Ascendant. Uh, let's see here Sylvan Safekeeper, Olvenwald Tracker, Weathered Wayfarer, Dranith Magistrate, Aethersworn Canonist. Uh, let's see Adeline, Resplendent Cathar. Uh, what else do we got here? We have Lauren of the Third Path. We have Sanctum Prillet. We have Yisan. We have Dalsim. We have Shalai, Sarath, Linvala, uh, Slippery Bogbonder. We have Ariel. Ex- no, that one's not a that one's not an angel or a human. We have Chancellor of the Annex. Uh, there are a lot of cards that you can play off of the top. And that's just looking at Yasharn and how they play. And I'm telling you, there are so many good humans and angels in this game. Yeah, it it also hits Witherbloom like, Apprentice, which is like yeah, reasonable. Like, yeah, yeah, it hits Opposition Agent when you know if you're an Abzan when you're yeah. black. Yeah. Um, what else comes to mind? Yeah, I'm like blanking. I, I, uh, if people still play Dark Confidants, I guess theoretically that's an option. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that it can hit. Like, I mean, that's 
that's kind of the reality of it. And it's just like, it's one of those things where I look at it and I go, I feel like this is a very obvious, I play this in Tim the Kamal very easily. Um, you know, I, I, oh, what, 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 else? let's look at Tim the Kamal for a second. And so we have op agent, ranger captain of Eos. Uh, we can also, that those are the two big ones there. Um, obviously, Sarath gives stuff Death Touch and Hexproof also. So if you just have a Sarath out and you leave this untapped, hey, my board is Hexproof. Um, so, like, that at a minimum, your this card as a commander is a creature tutor away from all my permanents have Hexproof. It's not a bad place to start. Um, <laughs> also gets to cast the stuff off of the uh, top deck tutor. Yeah, exactly. Like, so the, the, it's, it, it's starting offer is pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I was saying, you know, it's not yet clear to me that it is necessarily better than July, but mm -hmm. I think it is close enough to July, you know, just because of like the first line of text. I think um, that like it's very clearly playable. I think there's similarities to them, but I feel like they're ultimately different cards. Like very, they I, play I very feel differently. Like they probably take the same slot though. Um, yeah, you're gonna end up. Yeah, is gonna be better it. for you. And it and it could be I, that I mean, this one is routinely going to be better. Like, you know, I mean, outside of Shalai and Halar, I feel like this is just better because like. Shalai and Halar obviously has the like the the synergy with Shalai, like naturally. But like this outside of that, I think just is a better value engine. Well, but, so also you have to consider in a lot of the decks that are playing Shalai, they use them as a wing con. They're using it also as a right. wing con while defending your board. Right. Right. That's that's why I'm like not saying that this is like obviously better right like right the the mana outlet is actually relevant for some of those decks but but you know not necessarily so relevant perhaps outside of like um like the really specific like slow, slow green white stacks decks like um Gisharn that you mentioned before because like right. if it's Tim to Kamal like you could just play Kamal um and or, yeah. or you even have combo finishes like in in that deck like a lot of the time they are playing witherbloom combo so i think like if that's right. the type of deck you're playing and i think that those are probably you know a little bit better positioned um mm -hmm. you know this is going to be better in a lot of situations than shalai certified good card um <laughs> So overall, uh that kind of wraps things up now. We're kind of done with our March of the Machines stuff. Um final thoughts kind of looking at the uh, I kind of look at March of the Machines and Aftermath as like basically the same set. Um they're not, but in my mind they are functionally the same set. Um like Phoenix you and I have talked about it a little bit. We talked about it a little bit in the car when we were driving from Minneapolis. Um, the set, like, what are your feelings on the set? Because it definitely, like we said at the top of the show, uh, very much feels like this could have been this this March of the Machine and Aftermath stuff could have been 
a bigger thing, right? Like from a set perspective. Maybe we could have split off a little bit of this. I think that there's maybe a little bit too much going on in. I I feel like Wizards rightly evaluated that there was too much going on in regular March of the Machine mm-hmm. and pulled this off of it. Or I don't necessarily know, but uh, and even still, there's maybe too much going on in March of the Machine. So I don't think that combining them is necessarily the right answer, but maybe there was a better solution than dropping what is effectively a half set or maybe a quarter set. Yeah, it's barely a quarter set. I, I just don't love the distribution model. I think if they wanted to do something like this, what could have been really cool is they could have maybe released it as, you know, uh, like like a box set where you get kind of just all 50 cards um mm-hmm. and and like or or you know maybe even something a little bit more interesting like perhaps like a board game style of release that they've done in the past um you know th- there's like so many interesting things that they could have done with this sort of like almost supplementary set you know it could have been a course set that was like fleshed out a little bit like you said um with a few extra reprints not just training grounds um yeah you know it's I mean, that's what this feels like to me, is this feels like a small corset. Like a very um, small corset, yeah. Well, yeah. yes. And but it, like, and it's just it, like, oh, okay, we get five card collector boosters? Like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, um, yeah. So, that are priced the same. They're priced the same, uh, but, like, there's, like, a million different treatments on the cards. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's... It's pretty clearly like an experiment right to see if this type of thing would work and if it would be adopted by the market um well and i think this is more in line with like what other card games do with like these like do the little micro expansions where you have like pokemon does this and uh like i i don't think Yu-Gi-Oh does it but i know like the my hero academia stuff does it and uh like what is it blood and flesh or flesh and blood does this a little bit where it's just they have the smaller scale releases. Right. Um, so it's like. But this is not even it's draftable. It's not Right. Like. Right. Like it's not. Un- well, it is draftable. It's just weird as hell. It's not designed um, to be drafted though. Correct. Yes, it is. It, it is? It is. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was under the impression that this is not even meant to be a draft product. Because like. It, no, it, it very much is. It feels like it's just all like bombs and then like kind of weird cards that don't actually do anything half the time like uh as somebody who played the draft on uh what's it called on arena the limited environment for the set is bonkers like i would i would compare it to a double feature when it comes to like the actual gameplay pieces intention of this where it's like a weird combination of two sets yeah and like its own draft environment this has like no mana fixing Oh, it has like uh, Phyrexia marks the machine cards in oh. the draft boost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. like it 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 does pull from that. Okay. So it's like it has that, and then they it, it's these are also in those slots. Um, Still feels weird to me. I mean, I I very much agree. Um, yeah. Especially because, but I think this could have been such a good corset. Like, yeah. I I just like I look like the more I think about it, the more I'm like. Oh, the D sparked planeswalkers is a great core set like concept where it's like, hey, we have we have this core set. We don't have any planeswalkers in it, but all of our major character or all of our major like things, our big creature things in it are going to be 
these de-sparked planeswalkers. And it feels very much like you could have done something along the lines of what they did in uh, Origins, right? Like, because that feels like the comparison here is this could have been Magic Origins, but instead, yeah. yeah, but instead we get whatever this is. And like the cards in the set aren't bad. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff in the set. Like I I think if this set had a lot of like duds in it, it would be way more appalling. But at minimum there is interesting enough stuff in it like across formats that I think it passes the test but doesn't it gives you the like hey maybe let's not do this again feeling. Yeah, um, I, I really I think what could have been really cool. And again, I said this before, but like, you know, I'm just going to expand upon it to deal with the various treatments and stuff that they did, you know, which is obviously a big part of this release is again, if you had done like the 50 card box set and like, you know, any number of cards have some percentage to be in an alternate treatment in the box. Mm-hmm. And and that's like the kind of the gambling aspect of it, let's say, um, you know, I think that could have been received super well by the community, especially if it was priced appropriately. Um, but like, you know, collector boosters that cost fucking an arm and a leg, and then you've got like five cards in them, um, is unreal. Like it's, it's insane. Um, the actual booster packs, like the draft boosters or the set boosters are like fine. Like, I think they have those priced pretty appropriately at 80 bucks. Um, I, I think the collector boosters, the way they designed the collector boosters were giant whiff. Like that was a big swing and a miss on the collector boosters at end. Yeah, like I think the actual like the actual draft set is fine, but like yeah, the the collector side of it is even even still though, just a complete like, punt. Because I feel like the draft. Well, maybe this is less true in the draft format because there's theoretically more than fifty cards in the set for drafting. But like, it feel you know, I feel like you're still gonna get a lot of repetition, right? Like. Yes, it's it's nearly the same draft as Mark I will right? with like a few different cards, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, but here, how does, how does that even make sense? Like you're you've got like so, the war going on in like half yeah. of the cards, and then half the cards are like outcome cards. Like it just doesn't yeah. even make sense. Like in the actual kind of flavor of the draft format. Like so, my theory on this is a, a little bit expanded because there's two things going on that begin with this release that I think that this set is um, starting to either answer or trying to move the game in a particular direction. One is uh, we just got standard move to a three-year release, uh, a three-year rotation schedule. So I do think that that is a signal that with the set, uh, moving it to a three-year like turnaround probably says to me that we are going to get more like sets along this like maybe not exactly like this i I think they're gonna fix like fine-tune this idea a little bit more but i think they're going to pull more from like the pokemons and the flesh and bloods and the stuff like that and do more of these smaller scale releases and the reason i think that is because it also too uh does a lot to make the arena economy a lot better 
Um, and the reason I say that is your hit rate for rares and mythics in your arena packs are significantly higher in these limited uh in this like limited release than it is in a full scale release. So it does do something for the arena like economy that is good. Um it it's like maybe not the step that people wanted particularly, but I can say as somebody who's been playing a lot of arena lately, like spending a thousand like if I have the choice of spending a thousand coins on uh, a pack of aftermath or a pack of March of the Machine, I'm picking the aftermath pack because I know I'm going to be getting rares and I'm going to be hitting my wild cards at a more consistent rate than I am in a March of the Machine pack. Like they're just better for the arena economy. Um, so I, I, I think that is an aspect of it uh, because, and it's also very clear from whether it's the uh, surveying or if it's the way that they were talking about arena at at uh, Minneapolis with like they had the arena booth set up. They had arena stations for Black Lotus players to go and play that were like fully stocked with like every card uh, that, that is on arena uh, is that they want arena in paper to be the same thing. And I think doing things like this is in their mind, a step in that direction. Um, and that's, that's my tinfoil hat. That is maybe not a tinfoil hat, but just a hat. Um. <laughs> it's an interesting thought. I mean, yeah, I feel like, um, I don't know if it necessarily does anything to push people to play arena if they weren't playing arena before. And theoretically that would be one of the, bigger drivers well, the, for them is the conversion right the big like this is actually one of the first non well i guess this is a standard set but this is uh the start of they announced some of the stuff in minneapolis as well but this is the start of them actually converting not standard stats one-to-one -one into arena right going forward like lord of the rings is going to be on arena right. uh, i believe doctor who's going to be on arena um so it's like one of the things that I do think like one of the things I like, wow, we really are going on a tangent, but it's fine. Um, one of the pieces that keeps people away from arena is the like arena economy, right? Because like a lot of the reasons people don't get into arena is the economy is kind of not it. The economy is very friendly to people who've been playing arena since the beginning. Uh, arena is not very friendly to people who are just picking up arena. And I think that moving towards having maybe one, one to three big full sets a year with like a couple of these supplementary sets thrown in throughout uh, in between uh, being like a way to potentially fix the arena, like help not fix the arena economy, but improve it, if that makes sense. Like, help make that a little bit more viable for people. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I could be very wrong on that. But, like, it, I, I can say that I got back into arena, started buying these packs, and I was just like, oh, I can, like, convert wild cards way faster now. Um, which is a, a very nice thing to have. And I can also just get the cards I want faster. So... That, I mean, that's that's my thoughts on the on the 
Welcome to Callahan's rant about March of the Machine and how I think this is not the last time we're going to see stuff like this. Um, well, that's unfortunate. I, I don't think it's I, I think they're going to make it better in the future if we get it, because it, it, the the message of the collector boosters are a swing and a miss is definitely been received by Wizards. Um, like the vibe I get is that they want to make a good product um, that people can enjoy and have good access to. And like, I, I think that this definitely is closer in that direction than making more like bigger premium products, if that makes sense. Uh, so having the, your, these sorts of sets be more accessible, I think is definitely a good thing. But anyway, uh, I, I could go on and on and on about that uh, for hours on end, uh, I think. But that's kind of our, our, our thoughts on what's it called on March of the machine, the aftermath, which did you, I, did you notice that the set code is Matt? I was just which, thinking that it was a uh, March yep. of the machine. So you had mom and Matt. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like this is the stepdad of the sets, right? Because like, this is mom. This is my mom. And this is Matt. <laughs> This is my mom's friend, Matt. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it's great seeing everybody. Uh, make sure to check out Team Turn 3. Uh, like That's where we are streaming uh, every Sunday from 6? 7. To well, 6 for seven, you, I guess. 7, yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern yeah. Standard Time. Till 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm about to be back in Eastern Standard Time. Less than a month. Less than a month. Oh, wow. I just got, I spent today uh, talking to a moving company and giving them a tour of my house to be like, here's all the stuff you get to move. Um, so that was fun. But uh, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Um, if you want to support the show, please do make sure to head on over to our merch store, pick up your. Uh, Mind Sculptors themed merch and uh, be that'd be really great. If you want to get um, our play mat, which if you were at Minneapolis, I was handing out uh, prints of the play mat. Uh, you've definitely seen Phoenix use it. I use it on stream uh, all the time. Uh, if you if people are if enough people want it, I will look into doing maybe a Kickstarter or something so that we can get those ordered for people. Um, but uh, I need people to be into it. Uh, so if that is something that people are interested in, please leave a comment down below. Uh, also, if you have any thoughts on what we talked about today, please get in arguments in our, uh, in our comments. Uh, I, I encourage discussion and arguments in our, in our uh, comment section. They are welcome. Uh, also, if you would like to sh support the show in other ways, monetarily, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors. Uh, there's also a link in the description and also a link in our link tree, which is also in the description. Uh, so all of those things, we will be updating our Patreon this year. I don't know that it's going to be until Q4, but uh, we're kind of in the process of getting 
TMS a little bit of a facelift. Uh, so uh, stay on the lookout for some of the new stuff that we're doing. Uh, but with that being said, thank you for joining us. And from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time. Okay, we need to chat the wind